Your ears do not deceive you. You've just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. <laughs> yes, I can clearly see that I rolled a one. <laughs> While the Yeti determines my fate, I wanted to tell you about our friends at Sanity Damage. They're an amazing D&D actual play live show. The campaign features a high seas adventure full of piracy, steampunk, and Lovecraftian horror elements. You can find Sanity Damage on any podcasting platform or watch the party live on YouTube. Catch them bi-weeklies on Thursdays at 7.30 Eastern Time on YouTube at The Homebrew d and I'll throw it in the show notes to make it easy. Oh, and never let a Yeti be the DM. Hello and welcome to Comic Book Yeti's Cryptid Creator Corner. I am one of your hosts, Jimmy Gasparro, and uh, with a, a slight detour uh, with my interview with Anthony Cleveland, we are getting back to um, comic book creators that I got to meet in person at Baltimore Comic Con. Uh, so um, we have today a, a comic book writer, also the founder and creative director of Zion Studios, and we are going to talk about some of the comics that He's created, he has coming out, hopefully some of the other projects he is working on. But please, welcome to the podcast, Charlie McKelvey. Charlie, how the heck are you doing? Dude, I'm great. <laughs> it's it's uh, what, late on a Tuesday night, and uh, I'm having a good time. I've already cracked open my beer, so I'm ready to rock and roll, brother. So I hope you're in for whatever's in store. Yeah, no, I, I definitely am. Um, hopefully you're drinking something good. It's delicious. Uh, oh, good. That's exciting. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, I've run into you a few times because i've gone to baltimore comic-con uh, a number of years now and um I, I always think you uh whether or not you're in artist alley or you know the other part of um where the comic book booths are but uh you you always ha have a, a bunch of like great folks around you um i mean i think this year that you were there with your wife and then you were right around with uh dean haspiel and um yep. I guess, uh, was it uh, Sean on Gorman was there with you as well? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. uh, and you guys are always putting out, um, some really great books. I mean, I think I first was introduced to your work with uh, spider squirrel. Um, and I know that I've read and, uh, um, milestone, you were kind enough to send, I think milestone number two, yep. um, which I, I know you kind of created that character, but I believe the writing duties are handled by Vito Del Sante. um, who I also somebody else I got to meet at Baltimore. So uh, he was right around the corner from me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he has a comic that folks might be familiar with, uh, Stray. Yeah. I love Stray. Stray. Um, it, it's funny. So I met Vito before Stray had come out. Um, true story. I, so Sean Isaacs, who is now on Green Arrow for DC, um, he's the artist with Josh Middleton. Uh, on the writing chores and um sean and i had met like forever ago it feels like um it was one of those classic like oh look there's a great guy on deviant art let me reach out to him and reach out to him and sean and i connected instantly and um sean if you anyone who's read my watchguard source book or flipped through it um knows that of the 44 or so characters in there sean created at least half of those or co-created half of those with me um, certainly did the visuals based on my input and everything. And, uh, he is such a dream to work with. Well, Vito found Sean 
through uh, through that connection. And um, and, and anyway, the, the rest is history. So Stray, I have a, uh, I, I feel like a godfather to Stray. Um, I won't claim that like, I mean, I, I, guess, I guess I just did publicly, but I mean, <laughs> that's for Vito and Sean to decide. But uh, but yeah. to some extent, I think, you know, uh, Vito had created Stray and his his noodle and Vito's a, a freaking genius. Um, and then Sean slapped down the visuals and man, that that pairing, that partnership could not have been better. They, they both love the Nightwing character, which is, uh, if anybody doesn't know, Stray is is certainly an homage to to Nightwing more so yeah. than Daredevil or any other street fighting character. Um, but he's also very personal to to both both individuals. So yeah, so um, yeah, Vito Vito and I go have, have quite a history together, and and he stole Sean from me. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Well, I, I yeah, I do love that Baltimore like Comic Con like community. Like any every creator that I have met through that show has just been like fantastic to talk to. Always, you know, ready to kind of pitch you on their story. Everyone's been very like welcoming that that I've met. So I I really you know, oh. I like that and, and appreciate that about the community, dude. I I I could not agree more. So I've I've gone to uh, most Baltimore since two thousand five. So it's been Jesus. Has that been eighteen years? Is that am I yeah. that old? Yeah, I am that old. eighteen years. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, dude. Um, yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember meeting Bob France. Uh, so Bob and I actually have a history. So Bob Bob's from like the Richmond area ish, uh, and mm-hmm. I'm. From that general area too um and we officially met in baltimore when he was still doing black and white comic books now he's got like metal shark bro which is ringo winning award winning and he's got yeah skeeters skeeters him and him and kevin and, and kevin, Billy yeah. williams have I'm, have skeeters coming out with mad cave next month it's crazy right so seeing these yeah. guys grow up uh, around me has been fun um but yeah i mean baltimore listen i won't knock i will never knock any show um at least not publicly but um, Baltimore's tops in my book. Uh, Shelly and Mark put on such an amazing show. And th- the show, the point you brought up, right, about the creators and how open and friendly and and genuine most of them are. Mm-hmm. And I always say most because it's never all inclusive. But um, the yeah, they usually are- have Howard Shake in there. So, oh my God. Are you Howard's a- I love <laughs> Howard. Oh no, I do too. I just want a whole like hour long <laughs> rant about how much yeah. I love Howard. No, I've, I've met him oh. a few times and never disappoints. So I'm, just, yeah. I'm just kidding. But yeah. Sorry. No, no, I know you are. So, I'll, I'll tell you a funny, quick, funny story about that uh, in a second. But, but yeah, I, th- I think it's indicative of the quality of the, um, the showrunners. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. I worked with Brad last year. He was helping with the guests. Uh, I was a guest for the first time last year, and and Brad was just—I mean, he was so like Johnny on the spot. Anything I needed, anything you know, and, and so they really—and I'm like, who am I? Um, and I'm really nobody. But but he treated me like I was Chaykin or Simonson or, or or one of these other really or Dean, you know, one of these other big name folks, and I, I really not, and so. Um, I, I think that show to me is the heart and soul of comic cons. Um, now that being said, I've never been to New York personally. I've never been to San Diego. I don't really, I, I, maybe I should go there one day, but, um, but, but to me, like Baltimore is comic centric. Yeah, no, I agree. It's just period. I mean, like there's not a lot of multimedia stuff other than what the people bring with them. It's, it's a comic centric show. If you don't like mm-hmm. comics, don't come to Baltimore, but if you love comics, Get your butt to Baltimore because it is the best show of the year uh, for me. 
Uh, I love Heroes and what Shelton does over there um, as well. And I think that's also very similar. Um, you know, they're 40 years now um, at, at Heroes, and it's another great show run by another great person. So I agree with you, dude. Yeah, that uh, Heroes is on my list. I haven't been there yet. But, oh, you got to go to Heroes. I, I, I want to get to it. I want to get to it. Um, you know, so uh, I also I want to get back. I want to get to this because I, I think one of the other things that first caught my attention, you know, walking around Baltimore is the the American Ninja Warrior connection <laughs> with you. Because I'm like a huge fan of the show. And um, so and my brother comes with me every year. My I'll, I'll, I'll shout out Bobby now, who's the most dedicated listener to the comic book Yeti Cryptic Creator Corner. Bobby listens to all my episodes um, and we're both big fans. So. Um, uh, that was, you know, a neat connection to think, oh, look, here's somebody with, you know, it's involved with and likes and Ninja Warrior and is making comics. And it was like, <laughs> this is our guy. Uh, so, you know, then you but that, you know, what I was talking about, like before we started recording, like making a connection with a creator, with a writer, with an artist and saying like, oh, well, look, this we have something in common. And well, what type of stuff do you write and want to, you know, pick it up? And I. um I think my brother picked up squirrel, uh, uh, spider squirrel, uh, there, um, you know, and that was kind of our first introduction to your, to your work. But, um, but what can you tell me a little, or tell the listeners a little bit about, um, you know, spider squirrel, I think there's what, three issues out now. Well, four, if you count the, the Titan that I just released, um, which was like a throwback to the hundred page giants of DC, you know, back in the day at DCs. Now that, that that hasn't hit the hands of everybody yet. We had a okay. kind of a um a pre-release version at Baltimore, um, which okay. sold sold fantastic. I actually almost sold out of that. Um oh, good. Is, yeah. is that the one that had the I don't I think my brother might have picked it up. Is the that Chaken the one cover? speaking of Chaken had the yeah. American flag yeah. uh, cover? Okay, then yes. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> I, by the way, I gave so I gave I walked because you know Chaken and I you, you saw where we were for those who don't yeah. know Chaken was literally like right across the way from me so i had Chaken over to my left and in, in front of me and i had louise and uh, walter simonson uh, to my right um got a chance to to befriend both of them it was great so i gave walter a, he, there's a parody cover uh for the spider squirrel titan size special that um uh has a an american flag um homage to it or parody to it and i gave it a walter and he and, and he looked at it he looked at me and i was like i couldn't resist she's like well you fucking should have and 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 that was how we hit it. Like that was like the moment for me and, and Walter. And so we laughed and uh, we had a great time. And uh, and to your point earlier, he's such a great dude to hang out with. He's um he's not at all what you expect. He is he is actually super sweet under the shell. He's funny as hell. Um, and yeah, so um, yeah, so that yeah. was that issue. If you have that issue um, from Baltimore, that literally is a Baltimore exclusive. I only printed enough of those for Baltimore. I, I, again, I brought home less than a half dozen, um, which I may get a couple graded and stuff like that. But um, the official one that goes out for Kickstarter backers and so forth uh, will have an additional twenty-four pages. So it's a freaking huge book. It's like one hundred twenty. Oh, wow. I can't remember what I submitted. I just I stopped looking at it when the page count kept going up and so did the cost. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, so, yeah, that'll be the fourth issue. That one is kind of an uh, interstitial issue. So it's kind of between volumes. Um, uh, so one, two and three are volumes one. And then I'm working on volumes, volume two, which will be issues uh, three, four. I'm sorry, four, five and six, maybe as many as seven. Depends on how the story finishes out. 
um, but they'll stay numbered that way. So I'll keep the four, five, and six going. So it'll be a, a when you look at it, like if it's in a catalog, it'll be one through six or one through eight. But volume one is anyway. Um, so yeah, that's that. And um, the connection to American Ninja Warrior uh, is um, so in 2013. I'll give you the short version of the story because we only have an hour. Um, in 2013, <laughs> the um, uh, I got it. I got involved. I, I was playing competitive flight, adult flag football, which had I known it was going to go to the Olympics next year, I would have kept playing. But anyway, um, and after two winning seasons of that, had a great time, made some great friends. Uh, our quarterback came to me and said, "Hey, do you want to run a tough mutter?" And I was like, "I don't, I don't know what that is, but okay. I mean, sure." And he described it to me, and I was like, "I still don't know what it is, but I'll do it anyway." So we signed up for one. It got canceled because of a hurricane. And I was mad in the hotel room because it's like I didn't find out until like 8 a.m. We're supposed to be on the start line at nine. I'm like, this oh, sucks. Wow. So I was pissed. And I, I Googled like mud run. And um, anyway, I found Spartan Race and I began uh, I did a free Spartan workout local to me. And then I signed up for a race six weeks later, completed my first race and was hooked. And so I did a bunch more races became a sponsored athlete quickly, um, highly, which if anybody watches any CrossFit games or anything like that, you'll see the highly name everywhere. Uh, they've, they've blown up more than I have. Um, and then I was a sponsored racer all through 2014. So I actually was a paid racer by, um, highly and premier protein and a couple other brands, smaller brands. And, uh, I did that competitively for a, for a full year. Um, and oh, then wow. every year since 2013, 14 since the very first world championships i've been a competitor every year at the world championships i either qualified and ran or i qualified but i did, may not have run like one on one year or two years it was in the uk and my family loves doing that race as a as a as a family vacation and i just couldn't afford 20k to take seven kids and my wife to to the uk so um, so I missed those two years and then, uh, and COVID happened a couple other things. So anyway, so I've run competitively in the obstacle course racing community for a long time. Well, while I was doing that, I, um, uh, a few years ago, I was like, Hey, there's no races in the winter time. Like they kind of pretty much cut off in October and don't pick back up until April. And so I said, I got to do something between October and April to keep me active, busy and, and, and sharpen the, the competitive nature. Oh, sure. And so I just Googled again. I was like, yeah, thank God for Google, right? So I Googled again, and I found a, a gym nearby who does parkour and ninja, and they were actually hosting a ninja competition. I was like, oh, that's cool. I watched that show. Like, I'll, So I kind of nerded out, and I was like, I'll sign up. I don't know, you know, whatever. Well, I ended up taking first place. Um, oh, wow. So I don't know. I smashed it, and I was like, <laughs> okay, this is kind of my jam. And um, and so I trained there for, for a couple of years and I submitted one year uh, to Ninja Warrior and they'd never, you know, never bothered. And then I submitted the next year and I get this phone call out of the blue and I was like, holy shit, it was a Los Angeles area code. And I looked at my wife and she goes, is it them? I was like, it is, or it's a really <laughs> good spam call. And so uh, I took the call and um, next thing you know, I'm, I'm on the show. Um, so it's season 10, I was in, so it's five years ago now, I was in uh, Miami for season 10 uh, competing and, uh, and it was just an amazing time. And I can, I could talk all day on that one, but so that's, that's really the, the, probably the shortest version of that story I can give you. Okay. I, I did, I didn't, so I didn't make it to the, uh, the, the, whatever, the regional finals. Um, okay. I only top 30 advance. I came 33rd, um, which really that pissed me off. I'd rather have been 90th. Um, yeah. 
so did they give you some comic book related nickname or was it something else? Cause like, well, okay. So that's that only the T is that only if you make like the regionals yeah. and TV, do they give you one? No. So actually when, when the whole thing came up, I, um, you know, they were like, you're different. You got this, we never really had a comic book competitor. And I was like, yeah. So I, you know, I, I created this watch guard thing and I actually, I was working at the time. I was actually working on spider squirrel and um, they said, oh, we like that. And I was like, well, I can be, you know, the, the comic book ninja warrior. And they're like, yes. And so I actually still have the shirt. I wore it yesterday. So it's in the dirty clothes. I'm not going to show you now. Okay. But um, <laughs> I still have the shirt that I wore, the tank top that I wore for the show. And um, and uh, anyway, so that was my thing. I was the comic book ninja warrior. And uh, there, I do actually have a cover of Spider Squirrel number one. That's a, I call it the reverse cosplay cover. where. Spider Squirrel's dressed up as me, not me dressed up as him, hence reverse cosplay. He's wearing the exact same clothes I wore on the show. And then Oliver, the artist, um, Oliver Castaneda up in Canada, I love the guy. Uh, he um, he actually drew all the obstacles from that actual episode, which was really cool. So it's kind of a cool collage uh, of it. The only The only difference between him and me, besides the muscles, is that he hit the buzzer on the cover and I didn't. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that was it. it um, for issue one, there's a couple of cool covers that I saw floating dude, around. Like, covers. <laughs> yeah, there's like the but the the parkour one is uh, a really great cover. Yeah. There are some cool ones out there. So when you were doing that, you know, the Spartan and the Ninja Warrior, you had already been working on the idea of spider squirrel. I mean, did like, did one feed, did they feed each other or were they like separate in your mind? Those no, two they're worlds. Yeah. No, great question. That, that they're, they're a hundred percent intertwined. Um, when I was actually getting ready for the show, uh, they, they, if you don't, I mean, look a little behind the scenes thing, right? So they have be real stuff and they want you to film these extra clips, you know, do this, do this, and, you know, show us some of your, this and some of that and whatever. And, and, um, and so I was filming some B-roll stuff and at my, at, at my gym and uh, there were two kids. Um, in fact, one had a birthday yesterday, uh, both named Alex, and they were arguing. They were supposed to be training too, uh, but they were arguing. Uh, and I, I heard them arguing. They're arguing over what kind of animal I look like. And um, in my sequence, so I'm a, I'm a phenomenal climber and I love, uh, I, I had, I played basketball, so I had really good hops. Um, and I'm tall and lanky, so you you met me, so you know. Yeah, yeah, he, he is he is tall. Listen, so confirm. <laughs> I try to keep the camera like angled just right, so I look normal. But um, <laughs> but uh, but one of them was like, "Oh, he looks like a spider. Look, he's crawling and you know da 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 and climbing and that." And the other one was like, "Oh no, he looks like a squirrel, just not as annoying." And the truth is, like, as you noticed, up twice as annoying. Um, <laughs> and so and but they kept arguing like it was a legit like they were fighting over. It. And I was like, "Guys, stop! Whoa, hey, I want to get back to look." Look, I'll just be the spider squirrel. And I said it and I was like, oh shit. That's cool. And uh, I literally went home that night, designed the logo, slapped it on. I, I had a local printer printed on my uh, training pants and on my shirt. And it just said spider squirrel. Didn't have any icons or anything like that to it. And uh, and then on, I don't know, it was a dude, it was a con it was a conference call with me and Vito and Ray Height and a few other folks at some point, mm -hmm. and we were joking about stuff. And I mentioned that, and then they said, somebody said, that would make a cool comic book character. And I go, you know, I've been thinking about that, but I didn't really think anything of it. And then now that you said it, I'm done. I'm doing it. 
And so Ray and I got together and we, Ray did all the, the initial designs based on my input and uh, what I was looking for. And he built it off my, my, my physique and, and, and made him me, which I thought was great, you know, Ray. And um, for those of you who don't know Ray Anthony Height, he, he, works, he has a book coming out from CEX uh, called Midnight Tiger. Uh, if you follow Studio Sky Tiger, S-K-Y-E Tiger, um, you, you can see more of Anthony's work. He's phenomenal. But, uh, Ray's work, rather. But um, anyway, so Ray co-designed Spider Squirrel with us. And then the last thing was the chest emblem. We couldn't figure that out for a while there. And uh, I designed the final, what ended up being the final, but I had it turned 90 degrees because it was like a squirrel running off the page. And so you just saw his tail um, and the rest of him was cut off in the circle with a webbing behind it. And, and Vito said to me, he says, why don't you turn that 90 degrees? And I go, huh? He said, turn it 90 degrees clockwise. And so I turned it and, and I was like, oh, it makes an S. And so now you have this <laughs> spider, you have this squirrel tail that makes an S and you have yeah. this spider webbing inside the circle on there is born spider squirrel. And so, uh, yeah, and there it is. There's the whole story, folks. Uh, no, I love it. Um, I, I'm always... <laughs> I always think, and I've asked other creators who, you know, in, in any way, shape, or form, have a, a book in the like superhero, like capes and tights kind of realm. To me, that just seems so intimidating. Um, to like, where's my spot in this? Like, what do I have to say to uh, in in the superhero genre? Like, is there anything that's going to set me apart that is going to want people to like? pick this up um with i haven't read all of it but what i've checked out in terms of spider squirrel one of the things i really noticed is kind of your like humor with it not to say it can't be a serious book at times but i, I think you have a definite in terms of your writing approach and understanding of what seems like ye and maybe i'm wrong years of ingesting superheroes but there's like there's a there's a whether it's a humor element or an attitude to it that I think is very like kind of refreshing, like tongue in cheek is the wrong word. It's not to that level, I mean, but I don't know. Sense. Does that make yeah. any sense to you? No, it, no, it totally does. I mean, look, look, I think so inspired, you know, when I wrote watch guard, um, I was actually disappointed when I put it out, which uh, if, for those of you who didn't already figure it out, it like preceded spider scroll by like almost a decade. Um, but you know, that was me trying to be something I'm not. And, and if there's a lesson for indie creators out there who are just coming up, you know, write your book. Don't write somebody else's book. Like, I was so busy trying to write the next X-Men, but I wanted to write the next Avengers, so why not mash those two together? And, and it just, it was fine. Um, and people like it. I mean, I get questions all the time about, hey, when are you going to do another one? Um, but I really need to relaunch that book before I do another one. Um, and so Spider Squirrel to me was a lot more personal, not just because Ray made the character look like me, um, but because uh, I, you know, I, I put a little bit of me in the character. Um, and one of the things, for example, like when I got, uh, I have a, I work in IT uh, as a day job. And my boss got hired the same day I did. And so we were kind of like laughing about, you know, we're the same age, we got hired the same time, you know, whatever. And so he said, what's one thing I should know about you? And I said, one thing you should know about me is I laugh at everything. I act like I take nothing seriously, but the truth is, is deep down, I actually take everything seriously. I'm very, I'm, I'm very calculating. I'm very thoughtful. I'm very considerate. Um, and when I'm not, when I, when I, when I'm too busy making jokes to be considerate, and I realize I may have offended or upset somebody, I go to that person, and I'm very like, 
you know, then the compassion comes out. Um, sometimes it's just an asshole, but I mean, that's not by not on purpose, right? You know, it's not yeah. like I'm a Philly fan. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Jimmy. I'm, I'm, oh. yeah, I, I, did you notice my Eagles? I did. <laughs> hey, you guys are having a great year, man. Honestly, I don't care what the haters say. You guys are having a phenomenal year. But it's um, been a lot of fun to watch. Again, it has been. I, look, I'm not a Philly fan. I've had a great time watching. Um, yeah. But uh, but no, seriously. Uh, jokes aside, see, um, I uh, I do, and and that's actually probably the punchline as it were of the last spider squirrel story that I have in my head is that, that he takes nothing. He acts like he takes nothing seriously, but truth, truth is that character carries the weight of the world on his shoulders. And so I write him from a little bit from my perspective, but I also try to put my, myself into his spandex and, and realize how tight that is and, and figure out if, you know, what would I do? What would he do? How would he respond? Uh, so for as silly as the book probably is sometimes, and, and it is often on purpose, um, a lot of it kind of underlies a tone of, of, um, compassion and, and, you know, when you start reading the character, when you get more, there's not enough out there for people to really catch that. But when you start seeing more of what I have in store for him, I think you'll understand him a little bit better understanding that, you know, about me and about him as a character. So um, thank you, by the way. That was a huge compliment because I, I do feel like sometimes superhero stuff gets lost. I like what Trevor's doing with his book Rise on Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, Kickstarter yeah, now. I'm excited to see that. Ditto. Um, and and you know, and Trevor's got some of the same philosophies and mindsets that I do uh, from what I've seen. So you know, who knows? I, I think you know we'll stick to it. I'm Spider Squirrel's not going anywhere, but um, I think you know. As I keep putting Spider Squirrel books out there, you'll see more things. You'll see some more serious books like Milestone. Um, you'll see some mature books like American Yakuza, which I have coming out next year. Um, and all of that, in in some way, shape, or form, is kind of framed. I hate saying shared universe because that's a scary subject for a lot of creators um, and distributors. Hate, by the way, shared universe. I don't know why, but like Diamond shuns that word. Um, but for all intents and purposes, they're all in the same universe, the same box. And my whole point with the books that we put out is to show that um, there's a lot of stories to be told out in the world. And this world is not black and white. It's not singularly focused. It's not just superheroes. Superheroes is a people say it's a genre. I don't I don't think I disagree. I think comic books is a genre. I think superheroes is a um it is a, an outfit. It's a it's a clo it's a cloth, right? It, it's a dressing. It's what you put on the stories you want to tell. I think comic books is just a medium, rather. And and the genre is is it superheroes? Okay, sure, kinda. But I think it's more: is it sci-fi or is it personal? Is it romance or is it whatever? And, and the nice thing about superheroes is because they've been around for so long now is they're all those things, right? They're horror. They're they're oh um, yeah, right. And certainly, yeah. You certainly can take them in. You know any of those directions, depending on what it is you want to do with them. Yeah. Uh, Superheroes is just another story vehicle. It's not spandex is just another cloth, right? Right. All right. Let's take a quick break. What in the Sam Hill is happening right now? What is that? Yeah, what is you like Bart? Yeah, what is oh, you like band of Bart. It's not my fault. You mumble. That makes sense. They're dropping some great new series right now. There's that one about a heavy metal guitarist in the 1970s with monsters, working class wizards. You know how we love monsters around here. And my friend Dakota Brown, he's working on a project, uh, Grandma Tilly's 
Hell Tech Mech with Lane Lloyd. I saw the preview for that. That is crazy. Jimmy even contributed to their anthology from the static and had Matt Sumo on the podcast to talk about his project, The Bardic Verses, which makes a lot of sense that the project landed there. Where can you find them? You need to get out more. They are in previews or you can visit their website, bandabards.com, for all the latest. Can we turn the music off now? Thank you. No more surprises, minstrels or anything like that, or I'll rent you out to the Ren Fair as a children's ride. Let's get back to the show. The versatility of it, right? I think that's a big part of uh, using superheroes in your stories uh, in terms of what it is you're trying to say or, you know, the the result you're trying to achieve. Um, So you have Spider Squirrel. You're working on that. And then Milestone. Now, mm-hmm. Milestone was a character introduced in Spider Squirrel. Yep. Was that right? Yeah, briefly. And then, so, um, what in terms of like the work you do, what made you want to kind of like branch out, start getting other people involved in telling these stories? Um, like, was it a is it a function of time, or is it like this was always kind of the plan? Like, I want to bring other people in. I want to give them a chance to be a part of you know, Zion Studios, be a part of the Charlie McKelvey experience. What was it? No, it, yeah, no, that was, I mean, the realization kind of hit me when I when I created the source book. You know, I have all these, at 40, you know, there's like almost four dozen characters, right? And so I looked at that and I said, okay, that's cool, but I'm not Marvel. So what? Um, and then I started looking at some of the classic indie guys, you know, the Bill Willinghams with um, Elementals and, and Chaken, which we talked about a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even, um, you know, Grell, who had John Sable and Shaman's Tears later with Image. Um, but he also had, you know, other, other titles kind of sprinkled in there. And I realized that, you know, indies by nature are restricted. Um, because we're, we don't have deep pockets. I mean, some of, some people do, I'm not one of them for the record. Um, and so I asked myself, well, first off, what stories do I need to tell? Like, those are the ones that I need to tell. And, and I kind of mapped that out. And then I said, so what are the stories that I want to tell, but I may not have time to tell. And then I kind of made them that way. It's kind of like creating a priority list. And, uh, and all along the way, what I, one thing I, 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 I seem to be good at, and I don't mean this in any kind of conceited way, I think it's just my nature is, is um, bringing people in. They become interested in what I want to do. Uh, Dean's a great example. Um, Vito, another one. Um, you know, and, and, and so I, I realized that I can tell more stories through others. And at the same time, I can let their voices be heard, which which kind of resonates the indie community. And, and it gives me a chance to do two things, right? So one, it gives me a chance to put the stories out there that I, I kind of want to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also gives me a chance to get those creators out there that I want to showcase, that those individuals who um, have either impressed me or who... Um, uh, for one reason or another, maybe they're idols of mine. Um, you know, and, and so 
uh, I knew when I, before I created Spider Squirrel, I knew at some point I was going to pull other people in and I knew I was going to have to rely on a greater expanse of co-creators and uh, to be successful in this industry. And, and, you know, I know success is, um, it's such a, an enigmatic word because some people look at success as, oh, it sells millions of copies. Some people look at success, success as, oh, you're, you're in business for 10 years. Right. Some people look at success as, oh, you get it out there. I mean, you know, so there's, I mean, it's such a continuum of, of philosophy around that word. Um, for me, my, the, the way I judge success is, is being able to, to provide um, longevity and expanse. And so meaning not only do I keep putting books out, but I continue to grow my portfolio of offerings over time. And there's no way one individual can do that. Stan couldn't do it. And I'm certainly not Stan. You know, Kirby couldn't do it. Okay, maybe Kirby could, but um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, so I, you know, that's that was the plan. Um, a great example of kind of the culmination of that philosophy for me personally is is uh, I referenced earlier um, this American Yakuza um, graphic novel that I'm putting out next year. You know, I gave uh, Anthony Stokes and, and Chris Moses. I gave them a. Um, I reached out to them and said, hey, I want to, I, want to, I want to do an OGN with you guys, original graphic novel. And um, here's my concept. What do you think? And they were like, shit, we're in. I was like, oh, that was easy. Great. Um, and they were already working together. So that I knew that, wasn't, that part wasn't going to be a problem. And, um, and so we began to kind of collaborate. And so there are some you know, elements of a Bible, if you will, uh, you know, kind of a, um, a show. Um, as, as shows have um, kind of a production uh, guide. Right. And, um, and while that's still loose, because we're still kind of creating things as we go, um, we, the elements were there for the basis. And so we worked together. And I think, honestly, it's going to be one of the best books that, that I've ever produced. Um, and I say I've produced, all I'm doing, I feel like is, you know, well, no, okay. I, mean, I don't want to belittle my what I'm doing, but you know, I've given them a concept. I gave them a general plot. I gave them a, a, a thesis and they fleshed out the thesis into a full blown, you know, um, isn't just a, isn't just a, a thesis paper or a document. I mean, this is a, uh, it's a work. It is a, a, a tome of life um, where I think they put in and invested as much into it, if not more than I did. And this is, you know, these are my characters and these are my, my ideas, initial ideas. And they took them to places that I, I, I didn't expect. And for me, that was, I, I guess it's the equivalent of like birthing a child and then not knowing what to do with them and having the ultimate nannies come along and go, let me guide them. Let me teach them. <laughs> we'll be their senseis. You back off, homie. We got this. Right. Um, and yeah, so, I had, I interviewed yeah. Stokes and um, he mentioned it a little bit, but listeners, if you didn't hear the Stokes episode, um, I, I love the title of this that's that's coming out and I hopefully I'll get Chris on the podcast uh, soon to talk about it as well. But I invest I, I just I want I just love saying the name. I invested in an international conglomerate and went from an MMA champion to becoming the first ever American Yakuza. Uh, I think it's the overnight, uh, overnight, literally. <laughs> literally. Yes. I'm like looking at the fine print on my I, I pulled it up on my phone <laughs> overnight. Literally yeah. uh, is. I think I think is like uh, soon going to be my new favorite title of a comic book. <laughs> That's fantastic, Thanks, and the cover man. art looks great. It's got oh, yeah. a, a great team. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. Uh, where was it that I just pulled it up? I just wanted to say that you have 
I mean, some fantastic folks working on it, but we already mentioned Anthony Stokes, Chris Moses, you're involved as well. And then, um, uh, Restivo Marquez, uh, is it Jerome Gagnon? That's, uh, no, so Jerome had other uh, priorities, and so oh, okay. Taylor Esposito from Ghost Glyph Studios is actually doing oh, 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 Taylor is as a, a phenomenal letterer. So. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and couldn't uh, go wrong either way. So yeah, no, no, and Vito's involved as well. So yeah, um, the only thing that changed so uh, the Fabi Marquez, it what she did actually do um, colors on a cover um love fabby actually hung out with her and pat shan and, and stokes and moses uh at, at baltimore uh we um and marcus mcneil was there too um she is not doing the interiors now so i a, a good long-term friend of mine uh john rock is doing from dc comics is doing the interiors and so actually oh, wow. john, john messaged me last week he, or i think it was last week and he goes Man, the more I look at these interiors from Dam uh, Damiano, he said, the more I realize I'm not coloring this like any other Western comic. And I was like, yes. Yeah. So, that's, that, yeah. That, that's, that's, that's probably it right there, right? That's what you want, uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah, this is uh, a very, um, you know, from the art style, Damiano's Italian. Um, and, um, you know, the, the, just what Stokes and Moses and I have assembled. Um, uh, Damiano, by the way, credit to um, uh, Moses for Chris Moses for for finding Damiano and suggesting him. And after I gave, I, I scanned his Instagram and I was like, "Mother trucker, you're doing my book." Um, <laughs> and um, and then, of course, John and I had a long relationship. He did uh, one of the first uh, digital paintings of Asa, a character who is in another graphic novel we're doing next year with Travis Gibb. Um. That uh, it, it's just been a it, again, this is, goes back to what I was saying earlier about just like networking and meeting people and finding the right people and then putting yeah. them in the right place. I think this book is really going to stand out quite a bit. And I get to say that only because the only thing I'm really doing is funding it. I feel like at this point, um, uh, the team is fantastic. They've kind of assembled themselves, you know, so this is the ultimate Avengers here and, and, and they're ready to kick ass. I think it, you guys are going to love this book. It's very grounded, very down to earth. It's no superheroes. Um, you know, if you like John Wick, I think you'll love this. If you like Ichi the Killer, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. It's brutal as hell. So, you know, kind of watch it with reserve. But uh, it's a little bit of that. Um, Succession. Um, watch that TV show. Mm -hmm. you know, if you like that, I think you'll be a fan of this. Yeah. I think there's a lot of reasons to like this book. And what, you know, from the concept I gave them to what Chris and Anthony put together in the final script. And I, what, the other fun part for me is I get to co-write by kind of editing the script. So I look at certain things. Uh, for example, I'm doing the Japanese in the book because I'm learning Japanese and I have been learning Japanese. And so I've got some cohorts who can help me make sure the language is good. Um, uh, and there's some things in there that we're doing that I think that your fan, the fans are going to appreciate. Um, but I think overall, the book is just so good. I read it as a fan. I don't, I don't read it as a creator. Um, yeah. And it's it's fantastic. And by the way, just for the record, have your Google Translate handy because we're not translating some of the Japanese for you. You're just going to have to do it yourself. You know what? I like that. Um, uh, I, I kind of like when that happens. I mean, well, I think in I say I said Milestone because that's the character. I think the comic book's actually God Quest, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I think I when I was reading, I think in issue two in the 
there's a scene that I think is set in Greece, and Greece. I, I believe a character speaking Greek, and it's not translated. It's just yeah. like that's what it is. And I was, I like, yeah, good. I, <laughs> like, well, let me figure out through context yeah. clues, or let me look it up. I, I like that. I, I don't, I don't always like when they, and everything's always translated. I mean, sometimes if it's crucial, I get it, but um, yeah. you know, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I think the bulk of um. Uh, like American Yakuza, for example, the bulk of the Japanese is in those braces that we we tend to do in comics. Um, yeah, they're actually not braces, but whatever. The, you know what I mean? The little yeah, carrots. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're not carrots either. I don't know what the heck they're called, but um, yeah. So the bulk of the because because sometimes it's too wordy to put it, it, to make people translate like a long context is just not fair. But like like when someone says "oh fuck," you know whatever yeah, in yeah. Japanese, like to me. Just leave that in Japanese. And look <laughs> right. Um, two things about that, and, and Stokes and I agreed on this too, um, and Moses, uh, the three of us agreed on this, is that there's some things that, look, we don't we don't fall into that category of thinking that our, our fans are lazy um, readers. We, I honestly believe that most comic book readers are A, not lazy, and B, and lazy, I'm talking about like doing research. And they're passionate. Like, oh my God, you'll never find a more passionate fan base. Um, yeah. except for the Philadelphia Eagles fans right now. Right, that's um, correct. <laughs> uh, next year might be a different story, but this year, you know. Uh, but no, seriously, uh, not only are they passionate, but they're resourceful. And so that's why I feel like I have intelligent fans. I have intelligent readers. I believe in the intelligence of the community who read comics and, and manga. And I think this will appeal to manga readers too. Um, American Yakuza, that is. Um, and so, you know, I feel like in certain instances, just leave it native because i think there's an impact given to it um i think we dilute sometimes when we do translate too much and we we put everything oh you know translated from japanese translated from korean translated from russian whatever the hell um and that's fine again i get it but i don't want to rely on that as a crutch i think at some points there's an element of of um attention that is given when you don't translate. Right. And I think that's, so we're trying to use that tool the right way. Yeah. Especially if you're having a character, you know, and I, I don't know anything real in depth about the story other than what's been on, you know, I mean, Twitter. The, the title is the premise. So, you know, everything yeah, right there. Exactly, right. Um, <laughs> but uh, especially if you have a character that is in unfamiliar territory and doesn't necessarily might not speak the language or might not know something like to let the audience know what is being said. It, it helps the audience, I think connect with the main character if they're in the same unfamiliar territory that the character is. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah there's a couple spots actually where we almost left it in Japanese and um uh, just kind of reading through, it was a little too much. And, and I felt like, you know, what I don't want to do is turn off the readers at the same time, because you, yeah. you don't want to keep going to your phone and like holding you know, the Google lens over it and like translate it every time you, you want to kind of want to enjoy the book for what it is. So, um, so yeah, we were, we were very selective. Um, mm. cause while I do believe that our readers are not lazy and that they're very resourceful, I also believe that there is, um, an element of, a pacing that is lost if you make them do something extra uh, right. that a reader doesn't have to do. No, that, it's like reading Tolkien. Uh, listen, I'm going to offend somebody. If you've ever read Tolkien, like sometimes you read Tolkien, I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? Like, I don't, dude, you spent three pages describing a cave entrance that I really don't care about. And so, 
you know, it's stuff like that. Um, yeah. No, but, I, I I get it. I mean, I like Tolkien, but I I understand. <laughs> I, no, I, I have all three of them <laughs> myself, so don't worry. All four of them, rather. Uh, um. So, like, you know, in terms of you mentioned, I think you said Travis Gibb is working on something, and um, I'm not sure the you know the the artist involved in that, but um, kind of how did you go about, you know, assembling your 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 team of Avengers? Was there something in particular about the work? Was it just that oh, I got along with this person? I think they do a real good job on this story. You know, when you're you're trying to find writing yourself and been doing doing it for a number of years like is there something that you can see in someone else's work where you're like this this person has it yeah. they they can deliver on what it is i i i want to you know i want to do um i'll probably have to answer it like multi-phased so like when it comes sure. to writers right like so like stokes and moses um so you you know because you've followed me for long enough but i mean i back um a lot um it's actually over my budget but um i back a lot of indie stuff on on kickstarter and there's two reasons to do that the main reason is usually because i think a project looks cool and i'll be honest with you i don't back every project um i know a lot of people i have a lot of people who will jump in my dms and say hey check out my you know joe schmo book um right. and I'm, always, I'm not being pejorative i'm just saying i'm just not i don't want to name anything yeah you back my book and I look at everything people send me. So I get a lot of DMS and people say, Hey, back my book. And I go, okay, cool. I'll get to check it out. And I do, I say that exactly. I say, Hey, I'll go check that out. Um, and I live up to that promise. And there's a lot of prop projects that I just, I, I can't get behind. Um, the person's nice enough. The, um, the project looks, you know, okay, but it's just not my thing. Um, and sometimes it's a genre thing. And sometimes it's like, I'm not a big horror guy. So I'm very select, very selective in my horror stuff. Um, I'm also not a big TNA guy. So you'll find that I probably, most of my uh, TNA stuff that I back is Pat Shan stuff because Pat does such a great job with characters and story. And like, yeah. like oh my God, like there's not, probably not a Pat project I won't back now. Um, uh, and, and so forth. So, so I do look at everything, but also the the second motivation for looking at a project is um, and and backing a project is because I think it looks cool, and then I get a chance to see is it cool, um, and so I read what I back, which also means I have a, a backlog of of books that looks like this. Um, oh, you know, yeah. they all came in yeah. the last. I, I can. I, I, you know, uh, for, for listeners of the podcast, uh, yeah, Charlie has a healthy stack there of to be read. Uh, my to be read pile is, is to my left as well. And yes, likewise, I, I've, I actually started a spreadsheet of everything I back on Kickstarter when I get it and when I read it and what I thought smart. about it. Yeah, no, it's very <laughs> smart. So I'm a, I'm a real big nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I think your motive is to find people I want to work with and, um, Stokes and I are actually from the same general hometown area. And so we we connected um, on Twitter at first. And then we were both like, oh, shit, you're from Hampton Roads. We're like, yeah, you know. And so then we went to the same con together. And um, and then he came up to ask me, how did you get in for free? And I was like, I asked. And so, you know, we were kind of <laughs> laughing about being a guest. And then, um, you know, he gave me a copy of his book. I got a copy of his book or I gave him a copy of mine. And we just kept communicating and connecting. I, you know, Decay was the first book I read from Stokes. And um, while the art could be a little bit more refined and stuff like that, the 
book stands on its own. Like it's one of those things that I read it and I go, Oh my, this guy gets the human psyche, you know? And I know there are people out there that don't like Stokes for whatever reason and stuff like that. Maybe he's got a hot take they don't like or whatever, but he's bold and he is, um, and he understands the human psyche and he gets it. And he knows how to, when I say he understands the human psyche, like he understands how to manipulate it, which is probably what some people don't like because he, I think he says some things on Twitter, for example, intentionally to get a, a, a like for provocation. Yeah. And yeah, I, I mean, I have only met him once uh, at Baltimore and then I had him on the podcast. But yeah, I, I was expecting just, you know, when you see somebody, you not see someone, but you when you read someone's tweets and their like social media personality, um, I, I, not that I was expecting somebody who was going to be like abrasive or aggressive or anything along those lines, but just I was expecting somebody different. But yeah, we had a great time on the podcast. And I told him that and I said it on the podcast, he sent me Intrusive Thoughts number two. I love that book. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it's, it was like it one is. of the most surprising books I have read, especially in indie. And I was just like, sit, I read it twice. It was one of those things. I read it and then I read it again. And I was just like, I'm, I was like shocked that I'm like, but I was shocked. I was like, not that it was, not that I expected it not to be good or anything along those lines, but just right. the turn in that book, I was really just really caught me off guard, which doesn't happen very often. I, I thought it was so well written. A hundred percent. And that's what I felt. And so, and so like I read to K and I like, I, I got the hint, like I need, there was something there, like I caught it. And so I watched him and we, we became friends. I mean, let's, you know, I've, I've taken him to dinner and we've all had a good time. Um, you know, so we're more than just co-creators. We're, we're, we're absolutely like totally friends and I give him shit about Philly and, you know, stuff all the time. But you know, the truth <laughs> is, that, you know, I love the guy. Um, and I'll give it to you too, by the way. Don't worry. Nice. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, but when I read Intrusive Thoughts, I, I, I told him, I literally texted him. Like, uh, you know, I didn't tweet him, DM. I was like, I'm texting. Like I said, this is your best freaking work yet. Like this book is that damn good. And I think anyone who hasn't read Intrusive Thoughts should read Intrusive Thoughts. If you like cerebral, uh, I wouldn't even call it horror, but it, it's it's a thriller. Like there's a psychological element to the book where you almost get sucked into the characters and you feel like <laughs> don't read it in a dark room kind of thing. Like, you know, it's like almost you can be in that book. It's really good. And that's one of the, and that book specifically is what made me determined to work with him on at least a project, if not many projects. Um, Moses, likewise, you know, I, he, he did a lot of sci-fi stuff and I, I love, I, I love sci-fi. You know, I grew up with uh, the original series, Star Trek, the original series, and and I, I loved Babylon Five. And I watched it on its first run, and you know, and and all that stuff. And I watched Star Trek: Next Generation, and I really couldn't care less about Deep Space Nine. I watched two seasons, and it fell to shit. Um, and, you know, whatever. But yeah, somebody's gonna hate me for that one. But um, probably, but, but it's it's all probably, right. But, well, but I'm I'm with you on Next Generation. I was a huge Next Generation yeah, fan. So. I mean, I watched every episode religiously as it aired. You know, yes. and actually, my dad had satellite, some kind of satellite sneak feed. So I actually watched it a week early and then I watched it when it aired. So I was like, it was awesome. Um, but all that said is I, you know, I read Moses's. Um, uh, uh, my brain just fall apart. worlds apart. I'm sorry. My brain farted out worlds apart and then control Z. And I was like, dude, he knows how to frame a story. Like, it doesn't even matter that it's sci fi. It's just a really good story. 
And you can tell there's something deeper to everything he puts in. And so I knew that I wanted to work with Chris also. And this is kind of going back to your earlier question and um, or the original question. And when I found out they were doing a podcast together and they chat you know, frequently together and they cross promote and all this other stuff, I was like, this is great. They work together. Let's put these guys together because they got what I love. Chris has this. He, like he sees this overarching meta narrative and he he loves to uh, drop hints and clues and, and feed things along. And Stokes does a great job of getting into humanity and the person and the psyche and both yeah. of them do a really good job with the dialogue overall. And so by putting them together on this book, I feel like it was a win. Rastivo, uh, I mentioned you, you asked. And so, you know, Chris said, Hey, check this guy out. And I looked at his art and I said, what I love about his art is, is that, um, I'll, I'll, actually I'll share a cover with you. I just got tonight. Um, I'm gonna share my screen for just a second. Um, if it will let me share what I want to share. How about I just share window? There we go. All right. You're probably getting like triplicates of me. Um, I'm working on this now uh, with the cover dress, so it's not final. Um, but this is the kind of thing I'm talking about. And I saw Restivo's work and I said, you, you can see this, right? I, um, no, it's, it, something right, popped we, up. Let me okay. see what's going on. Yeah, let's see. If it's not sharing, I'll stop. Uh, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I'll stop sharing. Um, all right. Well, that's okay. But so, but you so, just gotten a cover. Yeah, so I got an, another cover. We've got <laughs> we've got like five covers already, and um, you know the interior artist did this cover that I, I looked at it and I said, "Dude, this is like it has such a a Frank Miller vibe to it." Um, with the use of negative space, with the with the use of blacks and whites, and and the lack of outlines, and the usage of outlines, and and you know, and so this, when I saw his Instagram feed after Chris had sent him to me, right. My only concern was like action sequences. Like I didn't see a lot of action sequences. Then I, I kept digging deeper and deeper and deeper, and I found uh, like a Western fight scene. I go, oh, he gets it some artists love to overtell an action scene. And what I mean by that is they, they either create too many panels to show like every little step of the way, or they don't create enough panels and you infer too much. And, and he has a great balance of pacing. And, and uh, Damiano is, he's an art student. I think he just graduated last year or actually just a few months ago. Um, but he, he's got a, a filmographer kind of a, a pacing about him which is perfect so if a panel is flat it's flat because there's a pause it's it's flat because there's a it's that moment it's that yeah beat. it's that it's that subtle beat that no, i mean yeah that makes sense readers don't know they read but they read it right right um and he's really good he's young he's really good and so i was like oh my gosh this is perfect the other thing i like about him is he draws black characters that look like black characters now what i mean by that is or asian characters look like asian characters is you should be able to read a book visually, any comic book, in black and white, and know the characters' ethnicity. 
if a black person is black, they should look black whether they're colored or not. But if an Asian person is is Chinese or Japanese or Korean or whatever their ethnicity is, they should look like a Japanese or, an, or Chinese or whatever um, based on the generic profiles of the individuals. And so one of the things I love, he, he actually nails black hairstyles and the main character is black. So that was really important to me. Um, and he nails the Asian styles very, very well. And so you like you can read this book in black and white and you can find the white guys and you can find the black guys and you can find the Asian guys and you can find um, most of them are Japanese. So I'll just say Japanese guys. And and it's very clear. And so I really love that not only does he have a great sense of pacing and storytelling, he's got a great sense of action and, and uh, deliberation and filmography, but he also has a great sense of characterization and personality and individualism. You know, not every black person looks the same. Not every Asian character looks the same. Not every face right. looks the same. He, he's such a great job of that. And to me, you want representation. Well, that's what we're getting through his hand is you, you can see. You can even tell that Kiyomi, one of the characters, is from a different province and region than Masashi. You know, if you know the culture, you understand those things. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, it, it's still it, it's subtly visual. And so right. he's so good at these little details that I just I could not I couldn't pass him up. Wow. I'm even more excited now uh, than I was uh, before. <laughs> I was pretty excited after it's really the cover good. and talking to the yeah, this so, cover is very Miller-esque. It, you know, it's the three characters standing over this the, the oh, Tokyo. Cool. Um, and Tokyo is just kind of implied in the background with the it, with the the use of negative space, and right. uh, it's do really you, good. I know there was like a, uh, a. Do you know a launch date yet, or no? No. So okay. I will say this: um, we're targeting for spring, probably late spring twenty four for a launch date. Now. Some of that depends on my budget and the ability to get Restivo to do the art. The The script is done other than oh, edits. Well, cool. Yeah, yeah. So Stokes and Moses are done with their job for the most part. Um, and then I get to go along and as I read each act, because there's five acts, each act is 20 pages long. <clears throat> I get to go along and I, um, I did the Japanese and then when it's actual Japanese uh, and not pre-translated for you. And then I do the um, some dialogue edits. So because I, I actually act out. This is funny. Maybe you guys maybe this is too much information, but I'll tell you guys. I actually act out each scene um, with fake characters and I, I play all the roles that, that communicate because I want to hear how it sounds. And so I kind of read the book as as a as a play. Mm-hmm. And is the dialogue realistic? Did it miss something? You know, whatever. Yeah. So I make the tweaks of the dialogue uh, as the final right. writer. And then I mean, do you do that um, for your own work as well? Do you do it like as you're 100%. writing, you read it all out loud, right? Yeah, I do the same thing. Yeah. I read everything. Sometimes out loud. I write it out loud, actually. Like I, I'll sit in the car <laughs> and I'll, I'll have whole dialogue, you know, moments. And I have Siri. I hope to God she's listening the right way, you know. And so, um, yes, I do that. And then um, so anyway, the script is done. The first act is 100 percent done, meaning uh, it's uh, penciled, inked, lettered uh, with uh, we're just waiting for final edits. And then um, it'll go to colors. And then act two, uh, Damiano is actually starting on now. So what are we in? We're about to hit December. He's fast. He may finish those 20 pages by the end of the year, um, maybe mid-January at worst. So I'm kind of guesstimating that we're going to be spring launch. Um, but 
But what I learned from doing the Spider Scroll uh, Titan Size Special is I, I really don't want to launch without a fully completed book again. I've never done it before. The Titan was the first one I did that with, and I yeah. feel like personally, I feel like it's taken too damn long to get to people's hands. I don't know if the backers feel that way, but I do, and so it bothers me. And I so I want to be able to deliver the minute the Kickstarter quit, you know, ends yeah. successfully. Um. So, uh, and the other thing I'm playing with is formats. So, um, I've already determined that this will be available in both black and white and in color um, because it's that damn good. Um, Damiano's Inkster, I mean, his, you're going to love it. I'm telling you, it's very Frank Miller-esque. You're going to say this is like the new kid's Sin City. I mean, it's just so damn good. Um, but, John, I haven't seen his colors yet, but I, I know what he's putting into it. I know what he's put into stuff in the past. So... You're probably going to want both copies. I'm also <laughs> playing with um, hardcover and softcover, and there will be an artist edition, which will be um, not 11 by 17, but about 25% reduced. So larger than standard comic format, but more of a of a more of a collector's art book kind of a size. Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think I'm going to do that. Uh, whether we do it with letters or not I, i'm still debating so there's a lot of little things i'm working on right um so we got time yeah uh, but all, you know. all while this is going on and you're kind of like managing you know or overseeing this this project you're still continuing to work on more spider squirrel yeah yeah i've got spider squirrel um milestone trying to like uh issues Issue three is plotted and, um, you know, uh, the script has already been paid for. So it's just a matter of time on Vito getting the script done on that one. Actually, truth be told, issues three, four, five, and six, I believe, are already uh, plotted. They are all plotted, um, like high level. And right, then, right. And, and beat by, by, by issue. Uh, it's just a matter of them getting scripted. They're all paid for. Um, and then um, we also have a spinoff ish from that which i think you guys are gonna love it's a four issue book it's not a deconstruction of superman but it's uh i'm gonna try to like give it to you without tease you without spoiling it um what if superman and lois had a very public divorce how about that um okay yeah i'm intrigued right and so vito (laughs) vito is taking that to the next level um and by the way that's actually um mark wade has already given that um miniseries um his uh, initial blessing on on both title and um premise so all right um that was pretty fun to see him at baltimore and and get that yeah Um, i bet uh uh, dude you have no idea like i was nerding out i I think i (laughs) peed my pants twice i don't know but uh um so that was that was cool and then um i also have a book actually waiting for the final letters but it's been edited and everything um blue chip and the new teen force five it's another um again superhero clothed uh drama uh murder drama um that um i've been wanting to put out for like three years now um the first issue is drawn and colored and everything it's just a matter of getting the final uh letters and edits um after that and putting the book out we get covers we get the whole shebang so there's a lot going on. Uh, I'm not slowing down um, necessarily, although I guess technically I am because I'm, I'm I'm looking at like let's get out what we have 
that's on the table. See these books in people's hands. I have a superhero, social media superhero. He's a social media influencer who's also the biggest jackass you ever met. It's it's uh, it's booster gold with no filters. Um, I was just I was just about to say it sounds yeah, a little yeah I mean booster really influence but yeah <laughs> yeah I was kind of mad that uh, that Jurgens you know he had that blue and gold series recently and I was like God right. damn it we already did yeah. that like but we hadn't <laughs> published it yet so it was inevitable um, but yeah even more so um, I think this is gonna be really fun so uh, Stephen uh, Dolsha who you'll you'll see read he wrote one act. Um, uh, Daniel Calvin of American Dreams, he in in Band of Bards, he wrote another act, and then there's a, a smaller act in the middle by um, Joachim Vandersteen. Um, uh, so two of those are newcomers to the comics, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy what they wrote. It's going to be one. It's going to be a one shot. It's going to be in three stories. Oh, um, cool! Yeah, I think it's really fun. We're also going to have three different artists. Um, so they're distinct stories, uh, but it's going to be a one shot, kind of a big bulk collection of of this character's um launch i'm calling it a pilot um see how he vibes with the fans and mm -hmm. um if he vibes well then like a, a tv pilot then i'll buy more um if get he picked up. Yeah. yeah if he doesn't then well the hell with it he's out of here you know right. so we'll, see. well i'm gonna put um thank charlie i i, I want to thank you for your time but uh because this has been fantastic um but i i tell the listeners i'm gonna put in the show notes links to your social media as well um, cause I think you can get copies, uh, or at least digitally of spider squirrel, uh, through drive through comics, global comics. I think the God quest milestone as well, um, is, and you can go to Zion studios, uh, official website. I'll put that on there, you know, uh, so anybody can check out all those links. Um, and I, yeah, I encourage everybody to go check out spider squirrel, um, yeah, I think I think it's a really good hook in terms of like that that first issue, and I think you'll instantly get a sense of what I was talking about earlier in terms of the 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 kind of the 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 humor or the sensibility of it, and I I think it's a really fun kind of a great take. So I encourage everyone to go check it out. Plus, my brother really liked it, so I always try and plug <laughs> the stuff he likes too. Uh, um, yeah. So Charlie, I I mean I can't thank you enough. This has been. Uh, fantastic <laughs> well I, i'm glad you think so <laughs> i always worry i don't know what i don't know what i'm like you know but uh um yeah and and you know look jimmy i'll send you um a digital copy of that titan size special you know because it isn't just a spider squirrel story that's just the first 24 pages there's actually um 10 uh backup stories of between four and eight pages each uh, written by people like cat calamia daniel calvin um, Kurt Belcher, uh, Morgan Quaid, they all wrote different stories from across wow. my universe. Take it. Yeah. And oh, they all got awesome. oh, dude. It was so much fun working on all these. It was, listen, I mean, I'll be honest with you doing an anthology like that. Ah, but yeah, it was, I bet worth it's a it. Ton of end, it was worth it. It was so worth it. And, um, yeah, I loved working with all these creative teams. So they're all different art teams and everything. And it was just so much fun. So, uh, I think you'll enjoy it. And you might even find a new character that you love from the anthology part. Yeah, I I would not be surprised at all, especially with that <laughs> uh, crew of very uh, talented writers and uh, and artists. Um, but so uh, everyone, check out Spider Squirrel and get ready. Uh, make sure you're following Charlie and Zion Studios and uh, Stokes and and uh, Anthony Stokes and Chris Moses as well. Um, 
I, I closed my phone, so I, I, I don't have the whole title in front of me. But the American Yakuza <laughs> graphic novel, when it hits in the spring, we're all going to get it. And we're all then we'll meet up and talk about it because I think it's going to be amazing. I'm super excited for it. But um, Charlie, uh, yeah, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, I, it was my pleasure completely. And, and I really hope you guys enjoy it. So thank you very much, Jimmy. All right. And uh, listeners, please uh, rate and review us and do all those things that they tell you to do for for podcasts. Um, you know, the the episode that as we record this, the episode that came out today, Tuesday, the 28th, was my 90th of the pot uh, that I've recorded. I think we're up. I think we're getting we're, we're I think we're closing in on 175 episodes for the podcast. And um, I guess uh, about two years. So, um, but we you let us know if you like it and we'll keep doing it. And uh, thanks for listening. And I will uh, see you next time for Comic Book Yeti's Cryptic Creator Corner. I am Jimmy Gasparro. Uh, take care. This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptic Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing. And more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one. All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Metahuman Affairs or DMA and check it out right now.